excited today about this brand new series that we are starting today, vision casting series for this year. It's called Builders. So everybody say Builders. Now, let me ask you a little question here today. How many of you have ever built something before? Raise your hand. Come on, raise your hand. You built something. Some of you, you built a house. Actually, you didn't build it. Someone built it for you, but you built your own house. Some of you maybe did maybe did a renovation or a remodel of your kitchen or something. Some of you are going, I watch HGTV. Does that count? You know? <laughs> I'm a builder, and here's the deal is we're going to talk about, talk about building today. And here's one of the things that we know about builders. Like if you've ever built something before, if you've ever been a part of like a reno- renovation, remodel, building a house or whatever, there is one day that all builders fear. It is the day that keeps builders up at night. It's the one that we prepare and we prepare and we prepare for. And when that day comes, we just hope that we pass. It's called inspection day, right? I mean, you know what I'm saying? Like, I remember when we were doing the renovation of the church and all the remodel and stuff, man, even though I wasn't the builder, like, I was so afraid on that day, please, please, please let us get a green tag and not a red tag, because that one day can really change everything. And here's the deal, guys, all right? God has called you to be a builder. So everybody say, I'm a builder. God's called you to be a builder. He's called me to be a builder. And he has called us to build something that is far greater than a house or a renovation or an add-on to your house. He has called you to build something that's not just going to be here on this earth, but something that's going to last for all of eternity. He has called us to be builders in the kingdom of God, to build his church. And that's what we're going to be talking about over this next few weeks. We're going to be looking at what the scripture says about us being builders. And we've got one kind of main passage that's really going to kind of drive us through the series. If you've got your Bibles, why don't you go ahead and open them there to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And we're going to read it together. In fact, why don't we read it aloud together? Now, notice I said aloud, not a soft. So let's help me out on that. All right. 1 Corinthians 3 and verse 10, it says, 1, 2, 3, because of God. God's grace to me, I have laid the foundation like an expert builder. Now others are building on it, but whoever is building on this foundation must be very careful. Paul says, hey, God has called you to be a builder. He has called you to use your life to build something that wouldn't just be something earthly, but he has called you to build something of eternal value. And he says, I have laid the foundation. Other great men have laid the foundation. Obviously, Jesus is the foundation that we are building upon. And God has called us to use our lives to carefully build something that will last. And that's what we're going to be talking about today and through this series. In fact, we'll just jump right into it. How many of you last week were here and you heard the vision of having one word for your year? How many of you have already been working on your one word? Raise your hand, raise your hand. Good job. All right, put them down. How many of you already have your one word for the year? Come on, raise your hand. Come on, that's good. Give these guys a big hand. They did good. Oh, that's kind of weak. You got to get like a little better than that. Come on, give them a big hand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we we challenged you with this. If you weren't here last week, I would encourage you to go back and listen to the podcast from last week. And we challenge you to just listen to God and hear from his word and say, what's one word that will be kind of the vision, kind of the driving force 
for my year to help me to stay focused. And I share with you what my one word is that God has given for me, for my personal life. But I also told you that today I would give you the one word for the church, the one thing that's going to be our driving force, our focus for this year. So how many are ready to hear the one word? Can I get a little drum roll? Everybody on your leg, a little drum roll. The word is build. All right, everybody say build. Build. I know some of you are like, oh, I knew that's what it was. I knew when I saw this, saw the name of the series. And here's what we're going to do this year. The vision for this year is this is going to be a year to build. And here's what we're going to do, man. We're going to build families, and we're going to build marriages, and we're going to build relationships, and we're going to build some disciples, and we're going to build some leaders, and we're going to we're going to build. Even maybe this year is going to be the year that we're going to jump into getting ready to build that new building. Come on, right? And this is going to be a year where we're going to focus on what it means to build God's kingdom, to build his church. And some of you say, well, pastor, why are we doing that? Well, here's why. Because one day there's going to be an inspection. Just like every builder fears that day of inspection, I don't want us as a church or me in my life to be afraid of that day. But one day there's going to there's going to come a time where we're going to stand before God. And we're going to give, we're going to give an account for the life that we live, for what we did with the life that God has given us. In fact, this is what Paul goes on to say in our passage on 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 13. He says, but on the judgment day, fire will reveal what kind of work the builder has done. And the fire will show if the person's work is of value. One day, we're going to stand before God. And all of us are building something. Some of you are building a career. Some of you are are building some wealth. Some of you are building a life full of pleasure. But all of us one day are going to stand before God and the life that we have built, what we have done with this life that God has given us is going to be judged by fire. And only the things that have been built for the kingdom of God, only the things that are of eternal value are going to be the things that will actually last. Here's the deal, that God wants every single one of us to build a life that will matter. God wants every single one of us to be a part of building something that is not just of earthly value, but something that is of eternal value. And in this series, man, I'm going to challenge every single one of you to say, man, I want to be a part of building God's kingdom. I want to be a Builder. So everybody say, be a builder. What we're going to do is we're going to talk about some different builders throughout the scripture, some different people in the scripture that built some very important things. And we're going to learn how we can be builders as well. And today what we're going to do is we're going to talk about our first guy. And this first guy is actually a guy who was not really known for being a builder. He was known for several other things. But actually, this guy built something that was like one of the most important things that was ever built in the Bible. In fact, he built the very first house for God. In fact, we find his we find his story in Exodus chapter 25. Look what God says to this guy named Moses. He says, "Have the people of Israel build me a holy sanctuary so that I can live among them. You must build this tabernacle and its furnishings exactly according to the pattern that I will show you." God says to Moses, "Hey, I want you to build something. 
I want you to build me a house. And the reason I want you to build this house is because I want to be able to come and live among my people. I want to be able to have relationship with my people. I want to have a place where I can connect and where I can commune with my people. And so, Moses, what I want you to do is I want you to build me a house where I can dwell. And I'm going to give you specific instructions and directions as to how to build it. And today I want to talk about this tabernacle that Moses built. And I want to look at it as an example of what the church really ought to be like as well. Because how many know we are the house of God, the place where God's presence dwells. And I want us to just see really four things that I believe that we are building. Four things that are going to happen when we build this kind of church, when we build the kind of tabernacle. The first one is this, if you're taking notes. We are building a place where people can come to know God. Everybody say, know God. Know God. God. More than anything. Man, this is the kind of place that we are building. A place where God's glory can dwell and a place where people can connect with God. A place where people who don't know God and people who don't have relationship with God can come to relationship with God. A A place where people who already know God can know Him more deeply. In fact, we see this happening with the tabernacle, the specific instructions that God gave Moses for the t- tabernacle was first that he was to build a courtyard. Now, the courtyard in the tabernacle were, was the place where everyone could come together. There was one entrance and people could go through that entrance. And it didn't matter who you were. You didn't have to be a priest. You didn't have to be a special man of God or specially called by God. Everyone was able to come together and experience God in the courtyard. And here's the deal, guys. This is what the church really is. It's, it's the courtyard. In fact, this is what we envision LifeGate Church being, a place where everyone can come. Like, it doesn't matter what your background is. It doesn't matter if you've been to church or not been to church. It doesn't matter if you grew up in church or you've never been to church before. It doesn't matter what you look like and how you dress and, 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 and all of those things, whether you're even a Christian or not. We want this to be a place that is a courtyard, a place where anyone and everyone can come and feel the presence of God and experience a place where they can learn to know God. In fact, that's what Sunday mornings is all about. It's a place where we come and we experience the presence of God, a place where people who don't know God can come to know God and a place where people who know God can come to know him more deeply. In fact, this is what I want for every single one of you as your pastor, more than anything. In fact, this year, there's really two things that I want from you, for you more than anything this year. And that is this number one, write this one down, is that you would know God. Man, this is what I want more than anything. Man, of course, I want you to be successful. Of course, you know, I want you to be able to reach all of your goals. I want you to be able to accomplish your New Year's resolution and lose the weight and get in shape and do all of those things that are, that are important. And, and obviously, I want those things for you, but man, I want something even more important for you than that. Because see, all of those things, all of those goals and all that stuff that we do at the first of the year, those are things that might change your year. But here's what is something that will do more than just change your year. It will change your eternity if you would get to know God on a personal level. And man, that's what I want for every single one of you. In fact, it's kind of like what, what Paul prayed for the, for the people of Ephesus in the scripture in Ephesians chapter, in Ephesians chapter one and verse 16, look what he prayed. He says, I always remember you in my prayers, asking the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious father to give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation. Why? So that you would know him better. 
Man, my number one prayer for every single one of you this year is that you would come to a place where you would know God better. I'm telling you, nothing will change your year. Nothing will change your life more than this, more than coming to a place where you have a personal relationship, a deep relationship to truly know God. Now, some of you say, well, that sounds good, Pastor. Like, I really do want to know God even more than I know him already, but I don't really know how to do that. Well, here's how you do that. You put him first. You put him first in every area of your life. In fact, this year, if you want to know God more, I've just given you just a couple little tips. If you're taking notes, write them down. The first one is this. Just start by putting God first in your day. Like, give him the first part of your day. Like, in fact, this is why we did the whole one word challenge last week is because I wanted to challenge you. Don't just get a word for the year, get a word for every day. And the reason I told you to do that is because I was hoping that maybe you would spend the first part of your day every day opening up your Bible, spending a few minutes in prayer, actually hearing from God, actually building a relationship with him. I'm telling you, man, nothing will change your year more than this, than putting God first, the first part of your day, just setting aside 10, 15, 20 minutes to just really build relationship with him. Start right there. But, but number two, write this one down. Maybe you would not just give him the first part of your day. Maybe you would decide, I'm, I'm gonna, this year, I'm going to give him the first part of my week. In fact, that's why we come together for church on Sundays. That's the reason we do it, do it on Sunday is because, first of all, Sunday was the day that Jesus was resurrected. But secondly, Sunday is the first day of the week. And so when we come together for church, the reason we come together on Sundays is symbolically we are saying, I'm giving God the first day of my week. I'm putting him first in my life. And I'm telling you, man, this is a life changing principle. In fact, some of you, some of you, like you're here today because of this, because it's the first time a part of the year and you're like, oh, we got to get back to church. And then you go to church for a week or two and then you kind of get out of the habit and then you go, well, that church didn't really change my life all that much. And let me just tell you something. Going to church once or twice ain't going to change your life. It's just not. I know I I should probably say that it will. My sermons are so powerful that you just come once and it's life changing. But that's not really how it works. You know what it is? It's a cumulative effect. It's not just I'm going to give them the first day of my week every once in a while or when there's no football game on or once a month or whatever, right? No, no. It's I'm going to give God the first day of my week every single week. In fact, I'm going to give you a guarantee. If I was a Cajun man, I'd say I guarantee, you know. I'm going to guarantee you here's something today. You ready for this? If you will give God 46 Sundays this year. Some of you go, I thought there was 52 in the year. Well, I'm giving you a little bit of leeway. You got six, all right? You can be sick and you can go on vacation. You got six. But if you would give God 46 Sundays this year and you would make a commitment today, I'm going to be at church every single week if I possibly can. I'm telling you, your year in 2017 would be completely different. And I guarantee it will happen. But you got to make a commitment. I'm going to put God first. I'm going to give him the first part of my day. I'm going to give him the first part of my week. Number three, write this one down. I'm going to give God the first part of my month. In fact, this year with our focus being on building, man, something that God has dropped in my heart is that every first Sunday night of the month, beginning on February 5th, where we're going to do the Super Bowl together, but before we do the Super Bowl, you know what we're going to do? Every first Sunday night of the month, we're going to join together for one hour, and we're going to pray, and we're going to worship, and we're going to do a little bit of teaching, and we're just going to set aside an extra little bit of time to build leaders and to build people and build relationship to get to know God more. Man, I'm challenging you. What if you just said, hey, every first Sunday, I'm going to be a part of that. 
Write this one down. Maybe you would even say, I'm not going to just give God the first part of my day and the first part of my month and the first part of my, uh, of my week, but I'm going to give God the first part of my year. Man, we're at the first of the year right now. It's a perfect opportunity to say, you know, this time of year is a great time to really focus on God even more. Maybe you would even say, hey, I'm going to set some stuff aside so that I can have a greater focus on my relationship with the Lord this year. And I'm going to do it at the first part of the year. Some of you, maybe there's some stuff that you'd say, hey, just for a season, I'm going to lay some of these things down to have a deeper focus on God. There's an actual Bible word for that. It's called fasting. Now, some of us don't like that word. I don't like that word because I like to eat. Come on, right? And some of us, when you hear that word fasting, that's what you think. It's just food, and that is part of it. And maybe some of you are like, I can't fast because I can't go, you know, 15 minutes without eating something, let alone go a whole day or whatever. Well, maybe it would just be certain types of food that you would set aside. Maybe it's not even food. Maybe it's, for me, the first 21 days of this year, I decided, man, I want to set something aside to be able to focus more on God. And so I decided I'm going to set aside social media. How many know that takes a lot of our time, right? And so I use social media still in these 21 days to promote the church. And if you message me on there, I'll message you back. But all that time that I would sit there scrolling, Rolling through, reading the news feed. I mean, how many know what I'm talking about? For 21 days, I decided I'm going to set that aside. And every time I'm tempted to pick up my phone and look at the scroll, scroll through the news feed, I'm picking it up and open up my Bible app and just spending a little extra time with God. Man, I'm telling you, if you begin to do that, it would change your life to set aside first part of your day, first part of your week, first part of your month, first part of your year. How about if we set aside the first part of our finances? Like we already talked about this today, so I don't have to go much into it. But man, there is something symbolic about saying, God, I want to know you so much that I'm willing to put you first in my life and the order of your life will determine the outcome of your life. Come on, I'm helping you. And this is the kind of place that we are building. We are building a place where people can come to know God. And this is what I want more for you than anything else, that you would know God, but not just that you would know God, but that others would come to know God through you. Like all of us have people that we know that need to be in church, right? People that we know, family and friends and things like that, that but they don't know God either. And I'm telling you, nothing will cause you to grow in your relationship with God more than when, you, when God starts using you to help someone else come to know him, right? In fact, let me just challenge you with this. What if this year you made it your goal to just say, what if I just brought one person to church with me this year? What if everybody just brought one person to church that is not in church? Man, I'm telling you, not only could it change their life and them come to know God, man, I'm telling you, you, you've never experienced a church service like you're going to experience on that day when your friend actually comes and sitting right next to you. Like you're going to, I mean, you're going to be praying a whole lot more, right? Oh God, please, like let the pastor not say something stupid or whatever, right? (laughs) And you're going to experience a growth like you've never, and you're going to know God more and your friends are going to have an opportunity to know God more. And this is the kind of place that we are building. A place where people can come to know God. So everybody say, know God. Number two, write this one down. We're building a place, a tabernacle, a place where people can not only come to know God, a place where people can come to find freedom. And here's the deal. How many know we all got stuff, right? We all got hurts, habits, hang-ups, junk, like we got some, we're some messed up people, right? We got, we got some baggage that we carry around sometimes. And here's the deal is just because you're a Christian doesn't mean you got all kind of got freedom from all the stuff that's weighing you down, right? 
And here's the reason that some people don't come to know God is because they think I got to get it all figured out and all worked out before I can come to know God. And no, here's the deal is God wants us to come to know him. And then as we come to know him more, here's what he does. He begins to gradually bring healing and bring freedom from all of that kind of stuff that is that is weighing us down. And this is the kind of place that we're building where a place where people can come and not just experience God and not just know him in relationship, but actually be able to have the freedom and the healing that God wants to bring in our lives. In fact, this is what we see happening with the tabernacle. God says to to Moses, I want you to build a tabernacle. I want you to start with some outer courts, and that's where just anybody can come in. But then I want people to begin moving from the outer courts into more of an inner court. And where the inner courts were, there was actually, if you do a little study about what the tabernacle looked like, there was this table. It was a golden table. And on the table, there were these 12 different loaves of bread. And each of the 12 loaves, the reason that there were 12 loaves was because it represented the 12 different tribes of Israel. Now, Israel was one nation, but there were 12 tribes. And this was not the way that God really intended it, that there would be 12 different tribes that were so divided among each other. But because they were so divided, they had to have 12 different pieces, 12 different loaves of bread. But when Jesus came, man, he changed all of that. Like in the new covenant, instead of it being 12 different tribes, 12 different loaves of bread that were all dislocated and disconnected from one another. No, you notice that when he did the, when he did communion with the disciples, what was there? There was one loaf of bread. And this is symbolic because the reason Jesus came was so that all of the stuff that is dislocated and all of the stuff that is disjointed and divided could come together and be healed. In fact, Jesus says this, I am the bread of life. Come on, right? And here's what, here's what it means to build the house and the temple of God, that all of the different stuff, like all of these different people that all come in here, you come in with different backgrounds and different stuff and all this stuff that weighs you down and that you carry around and whatever, and you've got all these different loaves that God says, no, 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 I want to bring them all together. I want to bring wholeness and healing and freedom to your life. In fact, I love, I love the way Paul talked about it in Colossians 1 and verse 17. I love the way it reads in the message version of the Bible. He says that he was there before any of it came into existence, talking about Jesus. And what does he do? He holds it all together right up to this moment. And when it comes to the church, what does he do? He organizes it and he holds it together like a head does the body. All of the broken and dislocated pieces of the universe, the people, the things, the animals, the atoms, get properly fixed and fitted together in vibrant harmonies, all because of his death, his blood that was poured down from the cross. Man, that is so powerful. That's the kind of place we are building, a place where people can come to know God and through relationship with Jesus, all the dislocated and just disjointed and all the divided pieces of our life can come together and be healed together as one body of Christ. Come on, I get excited about that. And that's what's happening, man. In fact, some of you go, well, how does that happen in a church? Well, I'll tell you how it happens here at LifeGate more than any other place it happens in our life groups. 
In fact, life groups is the place where we come together, a whole bunch of different tribes, a whole bunch of different people with all kinds of different backgrounds. But then we come together, and after you come together in a life group for a while, first week it's not a big deal, and the second week and third week it's like you're getting to know each other. But after you've been in a life group for about a full semester, I'm telling you, it becomes that these people you didn't hardly even know become like your family. You know what happens? You sit around and you're able to study the Word of God together. And then you're able to share some of your struggles and stuff and begin to pray for one another. And you know what happens? Healing and freedom begin to happen in people's lives. And suddenly all these different tribes come together to be one tribe under Jesus. Come on. In fact, this is why we challenge you. In just a few weeks, life groups are going to be kicking off for this year. And we're challenging every single person of LifeGate to get involved in a life group. I'm telling you, if you want your life to be changed this year, here's what you need to do. You need to be in a life group. In fact, in a couple of weeks when they launch, man, every single one of you need to go by that life wall. You need to find one that fits you. And if you get one that doesn't fit you and you don't like it, then go to a different one. That's cool, right? That's why we have a whole bunch of them. Because we're building a place, a place where people can come to know God, a place where people can come to find freedom. Number three, write this one down. We're building a place where people can discover their purpose. Here's the deal, man. God has a purpose for every single one of you. Man, we see this portrayed so, so powerfully in the building of the temple. God says, I want you to build this temple, and here's what you're going to do. You're going to have these outer courts, and then you're going to have the inner courts where people are going to be able to find that freedom. And then here's what's going to happen is that you're going to move from the inner courts to a place that is so special and so holy, a place, a place where God's presence dwells, a place called the Holy of Holies. Everybody say Holy of Holies. The Holy of Holies. And the Holy of Holies was so special that only a few people were allowed to go into the Holy of Holies. The only people that were allowed to go into the Holy of Holies were, were the priests, the people that were called by God. In those days, in order to be used of God, you had to be a priest. But here's the deal. When Jesus came, he changed all that. That in order to be used from God, you still have to be a priest. But here's what Jesus said. All of you are priests. I've called you to be a priest. In fact, everybody say, I am a priest. In fact, God has called you a holy priest. In fact, in 1 Peter 2 and verse 9, look what he says. He says, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into wonderful light. Here's what God says. God says, hey, in the Old Testament, you had to be a priest in order to be used of me. But in the New Testament, because of what I have done, all of you that are my followers are priests. And I have a purpose and a plan and something that I want to use you to do here on this earth. I created you with gifts and talents that are unique to you to be able to use in my purpose and plan. And man, that's what what we're called to do. You are a chosen people. You are a royal priesthood. You are a holy nation that you would then use your gifts and talents and abilities that God has given you to declare the praises of God to people around the world. Now, some of you say, well, that sounds good. I know God has a purpose for me, but I don't know what it is. In fact, I, I heard a statistic pretty recently that says something like 89 to, uh, to 95% of all Christians say, I know God has a purpose for me, but I don't know what it is. Man, that's one of the most sad statistics I've ever heard. I know God has something for me, a purpose, but I don't, I don't know what it is. And, and maybe you're here today, maybe that's you, and you say, I don't know what my purpose is. Well, 
Here's the reason that we have life track every, every Sunday. It happens. Step one is the first Sunday of the month. Step two, second Sunday of the month. All throughout the month, and it just happens every single Sunday. You can jump in at any, any time. Today was, was step two. Next week is going to be step three where we actually do a spiritual gifts assessment and test with you to help you to know what are my spiritual gifts and what is it that God has gifted me specifically to do so that I can understand my purpose. Because here's the deal. We want every one of you to know God's purpose for you. You are a priest, a royal priesthood, a holy nation that, is, that has been called by God to, number four, write this one down, to make a difference. Everybody say make a difference. Man, this is the kind of place that we're building. A place where people can come to know God, and as they come to know God, they begin to get into a group that helps them to find some freedom, and then they begin to learn, man, God gave me a purpose here on this earth so that I can use that purpose to make a difference for all of eternity. Man, we see this illustrated so incredibly in in the illustration of the tabernacle. You see, as they move from the outer courts into the inner courts and then into the Holy of Holies the priest would enter into the Holy of Holies, and the Holy of Holies was a place where there was no light that was allowed into the Holy of Holies from the outside. The only way that the Holy of Holies was lit was that there were seven different lampstands that were lit, and those lampstands were to remain lit at all time. And, and in fact, that was the priest's job to make sure that the lamps were always lit within the Holy of Holies. Some of you go... That's a good history lesson, but how does that apply to us? Well, guess, guess who are the lamps? It's us, the church. We are the lamp to bring the light. Isn't that what Jesus said? You are the light of the world. And guess who the priests are? You, me. Guess what our job is? To keep the light lit at all times, to make a difference in a dark world that is around us. And this is what we are building, man. A place, a place where people can come and as they get to know God and they find freedom and they begin to discover their purpose, then they can use that purpose to then make a difference, to shine a light around the world. Jesus says, you're the light of the world that that a city on a hill can't be hidden. So go out and shine your light to make a difference in the world, the people, and the darkness that is all around us. Maybe you go, I don't know how to make a difference. How do I use my life to make a difference? Well, let me just give you a suggestion. Get on a life team here at LifeGate. Find a place to get involved, man. Maybe you'd say, hey, I can be on the parking team and help people as they're coming in. Or I can, man, I can be on the greeter team and help create a place that's warm and friendly and in an environment where people, where people feel loved. Or maybe I'll be on the hospitality team, make sure there's hot coffee and good, and good uh, donuts or whatever it is out there to make people, make people feel at home. Or maybe you'd say, hey, I, I want to work with the life kids or in the nursery and take care of the babies or get involved in the youth ministry on the worship team or lead a life group or go into an outreach ministry that goes out the first Sunday of every month or whatever it might be, but you would say, I'm going to, I'm going to do my part to shine a light and make a difference. And here's what happens, man. This is so good. When we begin to be the kind of people and kind of place, when we build a place where people know God and find freedom and people begin to, begin to discover their purpose and make a difference, here's what happens. Check it out. Exodus Exodus chapter 40 and verse 33. And then he hung the curtains, forming the courtyard around the tabernacle and the altar. And he set up the curtain at the entrance of the altar. So at last Moses 
finished the work. And then look what happens in verse number 34. And then the cloud covered the tabernacle and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Man, I'm telling you, this is so good. When we build a place, a place where people can come to know God and people can discover their purpose and find the freedom and make a difference, when we follow the instructions and we become builders for the kingdom of God, when we build this life-changing church, then here's what can happen. Then the presence of God, the glory of God comes and fills the place, and that's what changes lives. And this is what we're doing today. This is what we've been doing for the last 10 years. We've been building a place, building a place where lives can be changed as they get to know God, as they begin to find healing and freedom, as they begin to discover a purpose and begin to go out and use that purpose to make a difference. Here's what God says. All right, you do the work and I'll show up. In fact, we all, we've all seen Field of Dreams where it says, if you build it, they will come. Well, you know what the scripture says? If you build it, he will come. And we've been building this place, and guess what? God's presence is here. And his presence can change lives. And so here's what I'm challenging you to do. Would you be a builder? Would you join in with me, man? Some of you go, why are you getting so excited today? I'll tell you why. Because this is what God called me to do 10 years ago. And this is the passion of my heart, to build his church. And all I'm saying is, hey, why don't you just jump on board? Would you be on my construction team? And let's build something that will make a difference for all of eternity. Because one day we're going to stand before God. There's going to be an inspection. And on that day, I want to be able to say, God, I use my life not just to build something for me, but to build something that lasts for all eternity.